0: Chapter six. I turned that uh, heat down a little bit, so if it gets a little chilly, uh, just turn it back up. It was a little warm when I came in, so uh, we got to play. It's one of those tweener days where we don't know. You know, you turn it on, it's too hot. Turn it off, it's too cold. So we'll pray about that, or we'll uh, we'll ask God to not let it be a distraction to anybody this morning in the services. Okay, chapters two of Colossians, we'll begin reading in verse six. Now, remember there's a therefore. He says, "I as you therefore. When you see a therefore or a wherefore, you look to see what it is therefore. And of course, Paul has been talking to the Colossians about uh, his great love for, him, for them. Uh, we saw the, the personal struggles that he had his, in his life in wanting to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ, we see that uh, He is adamantly uh, promoting Jesus Christ as the only way. That He is uh, He is the He is sovereign. He is overall. There's no one like Him in in Him. We, uh, we in Him, all things were created, and in Him, all things consist. So that means that uh, He created you for a purpose, and He holds t- holds you together for a purpose. We'll see in Isaiah this morning that uh, he, the Lord says, I'm the Lord your God, and every breath you take depends on me. And it's just so interesting how that uh, God does that. Uh, people We think that we can escape the presence of God, but uh, he's everywhere at once. Uh, so let's look at verse 6. He says, And you therefore, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through the philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him you are also circumcised with the circumcision not made with hands, uh, but putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through the faith and the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you, being dead in your trespasses and in the uncirc- uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the hand, uh, handwritten or handwriting of, of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now that's a mouthful of course of quite a almost every phrase there we have to explain. But uh, the Lord, though, is saying the the key is we're complete in him. The very word Salvation it comes from a Greek word which is sozo, which is not only saving you from something—that's uh, mercy, that's uh, that's uh, God's love—but also completing you. That's grace, God giving you things, and we are complete in Him. Now we are being completed in Him, and so God has created a. I like what one man said. A God-sized vacuum in your heart that only He can fill, and so we are complete in Him. And so, the more we know about Him, and the more we uh, submit our will to His life, the more complete we become uh, in knowing why we're here, what we're doing, uh, the the trials of life. And so He says, "Therefore, since you have received Jesus Christ," and He talked about that uh, in Him is all preeminence. Uh, he says continue being rooted and built up in him, be grounded in him. That's more than just coming to church on Sunday morning and and saying, okay, I got my spiritual ration for the week. No, it's the idea that my whole life revolves around him. Uh, I pray to him. Uh, How often should I pray to him? Without ceasing. Uh, How often should I thank him? Without ceasing. So it's an idea that we have Jesus Christ in our minds all the time, and we are wanting, uh, as we see in uh, in Psalm one nineteen, we've been going through, uh, the great desire, the the not only knowledge of the Word of God, but the understanding. Why? What does it mean? Why is it saying this? And what does it? How does it apply to, apply to my life? And that. Um, Thy word of you I hid my in my heart that I might not sin against you or against the Lord. And so he's saying, I wanted to be rooted and grounded in him, established. That's the idea of, you know, we build our house upon the rock. And so we've got to have a foundation. And there's no greater foundation than uh, that any man can lay outside the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when our life revolves around him, and his will for us, then uh, that is the idea of being established in the faith. Unfortunately, as you, we, we deal with people and we see that they want a little bit here and a little bit there. Now, we're not talking about walking around with a, with a, a Bible in your hand all the time and praying. and all, No, well, the Lord expects us to be out as a light to the world, but, uh, and we're gonna meet people in all walks of life but they need to see that we have an answer for the hope that lies within us and that we're different, that we we look at things differently, that, uh, yes, we have the same problems they do in many areas. We have health problems. We have uh, car problems. We have financial problems, family problems, you name them. But how do we respond? And really, the only way that people can see Jesus Christ living in you is through your problems or through the problems of others. Think about it. And so how do we respond to the, well, let's say challenges of life. How do we respond to them? And so we see that he says, uh, established uh, as you have been taught and abounding in it with thanksgiving. So it's not just something that that we take a little bit here and take a little bit there, but we commit our lives to it. He says, and then there's the warning. And this is what he's uh, what the whole gist of the letter is about is all these vain philosophies, all these things that um that would draw us away from God uh I saw a little testimony excuse me of um excuse me of uh Anthony fauci yesterday, and he was talking about how that he doesn't need the church anymore he doesn't need now of course the He comes from, I can understand why he says that about his church, because it's not one that teaches the word. But at the same time, it's the idea, I don't need God because the basic principles in my life. I'm going, well, a guy who thinks that he's science, then, you know, he doesn't need God. And of course, uh, he's the guy who's been, you know, responsible for so many uh, of our policies in the last three or four years. And uh, yet we have a guy like that that doesn't think that he needs God. And... uh, but this is why he says, beware lest any man cheat you through the philosophy of empty deceit. And all oh, the emptiness of, of the Hollywood crowd, the emptiness of the education crowd today, the empty, emptiness of just the general people, the, the entertainment, the, the things we go after. And after all, God uh, wants me to be happy. So I go after all these things that actually are destructive. And so he says, "Beware lest somebody cheat you." Uh, And it from empty seats, according to the tradition of men or the thought structure of men, the average. Or, of course, talking about uh, um, about the worldly crowd. The natural man receives not the things of God, but they've got all kinds of wisdom. Don't believe it; just ask them. But he says, according to the tradition of men according, and this is one that caught my eye, according to the basic principles of the world. What are the basic principles of the world? Help me with this. Basic principles of the world. Think about the way of Cain. He went out from the presence of God. He didn't need God. And if he did need God, it would just, you know, he'll call on him when he needs him. And we see uh, the degradation and the downhill path of man from them. And uh, we see that the whole idea of you know, the basic principle of man is uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but do it first. You know, get ahead. Uh, you only live one, uh, you only go what's around in life and live it with all the gusto you can. You know, what is it? Uh, get all you can and can all you get. In all these different terms where it's me me me, the basic principles of the world is selfishness i um, i am well, let's say um, what did I'm, I'm, it's escaping me now uh what did what did Aristotle say uh, is it i am and uh, but excuse me that's the lord Jesus uh, but the idea of um that uh you know you are I am what I think basically. And so that is not what uh that's what, you know man man is man-centered. And it's what what can I get out of the world? And uh, of course there's there's that god-sized vacuum again. No matter how much a person gets, they're never satisfied because there's no contentment outside of the Lord Jesus. And so we see that uh according to the basic principles of the world, And not according to Christ, there's the battle, you know, just two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. And um, so we see the, oh, uh, uh, I think therefore I am, that's uh, Aristotle. But the idea that whatever I think I am, I can be. And unfortunately, if you take that without God, that's why we have the craziness that's going on in so many of our institutions today whether it's education or whatever, the whole idea that as long as I think that I'm something, I can be it. Now, there is a power to positive thinking, but positive thinking outside of Christ is, uh, is not real, is not wise. But uh, the idea that it's the Lord who can fulfill life. Um, but, um, but he is saying, not, not according, but uh, to, he says the basic principles of the world and not of Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. In other words, everything you want to know about God can be found in Jesus Christ because God the Father chose to make him visible. God the Father decided to make him uh, an example. God the Father chose to speak through him. God the Father, all these things that they before the foundation of the world, the plan of the Trinity worked together. And we know the Holy Spirit uh, was all part of that also. And now that the Holy Spirit affects and draws people to Christ. And so we see in him dwells everything you need to know about God. And so we work, uh, he says that uh, back in chapter one, verse 27, he says, to to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is in Christ, which is Christ in you? So if you've got Christ Jesus living within you, then he wants to prove to the, uh, the this revelation, the mystery, of course, is, uh, is something that God is about ready to reveal, but it is revealed through him. And revelation is just the mystery opened up. And so when you got saved, it's because all of a sudden you, you turned from darkness to the revelation to light. You saw, you saw God or the Lord worked in your heart. God revealed himself to you. And as a result, he lives within you. And so it was a mystery before you're saved. And that's why unsaved people say, how in the world, why do you think this? Or why do you do this? But as a Christian, you know, and that it's the mystery of his will and the mystery of God that is in us, he says that you're complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So there again, the idea of principality is angels or the spiritual world and power. um, You look at people, uh, they say knowledge is power. And so knowledge becomes a religion and all you have to do is be a PhD. And uh, all of a sudden you you can be on any talk show or whatever else uh, if you got uh, some harebrained idea, because after all, you've got a few credentials. It was really silly the other day. I think they were mocking him, but uh, I was listening to some university. They were talking back and forth about some of the issues of the day. And uh, some, uh, some of the uh, students were uh, disagreeing, and they were saying, you know, this doesn't make sense. And they were talking about morals and so forth. And uh, it was the guy was really off the off the off the wall, especially in the area of uh, uh, transgenderism and all that kind of stuff. And he had a couple of people that just was challenging him about what the science is, about what we know about this. And uh, his only defense was, "I'm the PhD in this room," and everybody goes, you know. <laughs> Well, who cares if you're a PhD? Now, uh, like I said, my dad um, was a depression kid, and he thought a, a PhD was a post hole digger. So, you know, it's one of those things where uh, knowledge doesn't mean wisdom. Knowledge doesn't mean power a lot of times. And a lot of times it just is, is, is downright uh, foolishness. And so he says that, um, but in him is all, you know, the, it's the fear of the Lord, which is what? the beginning of knowledge and the, the beginning of wisdom. So uh, we see that um, he's telling us that we're to, continue to be, continually to be rooted and built up in him. Now, how do we do that? That means we're going to have to be in the word. That means that uh, we're, going to, we're going to revolve, our, our lives are going to revolve around his word. What does he say and why does he say it? And how does it apply to me? And how do I apply it to this situation? Um, I know that I'm to love uh, my brother as myself. Well, that takes care of the, the last six commandments because I know that I'm not to steal from him. I'm not to lie about him. I'm not to uh, to slander him uh, or covet what he has. You know, all these, I'm certainly not supposed to kill him. So all these things that we see that uh, if I really love my neighbor as myself, then I'll want to see him uh, successful and isn 't that what we want to see each one of us? Um, I, I pray for you that you will be successful in life, successful because the Lord says that um, if we're in, that uh, our delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law uh, there is great success, so we want to see that success and we want to see successful Christians now when there again. The principles of the world of success is money, it's power, it's numbers, it's whatever else. But true success is contentment with the things that God has given and the things that God wants you to strive toward. I mean, nothing wrong with wanting to be a a successful business person, but it's something that we want to lay it out to God. Was Joseph a successful business person? Definitely. Was Daniel a successful business person? Definitely. So we see that God is not, uh, but we, you know, God is not wanting to hold us back and say, oh, I'm, I'm poor, but I'm spiritual. No, a lot of times we have to sacrifice and, uh, and sometimes we have to give up a job because we're spiritual and other people want to, or because they want to take advantage of us or whatever. But does God promise that he would meet our needs? And so can I trust God with what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and what? Loses his own soul. So again, we see this. uh, He says, I want you to be complete. I want you to be content. I want you to be joyful. I want you to be, I guess the word happy. Uh, But the idea is that, yeah, I know whom I believed. I've got this, I'm stable in life. I know. Uh, whatever befalls me, that Jesus does all things well. Uh, we look at the topsy-turviness of the world today. Oh, my. Every, um, it's just really sad to see how we're going off the deep end. Uh, why? Because man has, man has gone after the principles of the world. And so, you know, who cares about marriage? Uh, but the thing about it, if you don't care about marriage, then the kids are growing up not care about marriage. And as a result of that, they get into all kinds of other things. And I, I blame uh, most of the perversions today on the last generation where we said, oh, marriage isn't important. And so the kids grow up, they have no basis. And so what do they do? They go after the confusion that's in their nat- natural bodies or natural, natural lives. And uh, I would like to say the sky's the limit, but actually it's the, the pit's the limit. And so we see that, uh, that that's where we are today. But so how can I be stable in an unstable world? It's only going to be through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in that, now, okay, so uh, is there any, uh, think with me on this. And if you've got Bible verses, help me out with it. Now, notice in verse 11, in him, in him, in Jesus Christ, and here he goes into a spiritual situation or into spiritualizing Old Testament law. He says, in him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands or made without hands. And so what is he talking about here? The Lord told uh, the Jews or the, the Israelites, he said, circumcise your hearts. In other words, uh, circumcision was an act of identification with God. It was something that separated God's people from the world. Now, we know that that circumcision today, uh, if we want, we want, as we identify with Jesus Christ, what do we do? And this is what he brings out next, baptism. But baptism, again, is not just something that uh, is going to save you. In fact, it doesn't, say, it doesn't do a thing to save you. But he said, you have the circumcision not made with hands, by putting off the body of sins and of the flesh. That's the idea of circumcision. Repentance by circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you also are raised with him through faith in work in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So we are baptized in him. The word baptism means that we're totally immersed in him. Everything about our lives now revolves around him, and so it's not a bapt- if it was just a water baptism then and this was not symbolizing something else, then uh, I'd have to be baptized every day because i'm you know uh because water baptism doesn't do it, but it's the idea of if I'm truly saved, and we're going to turn that heat down a little bit, please. uh It's a little warm in here. But, not, but then again it's going to get cold so uh, we'll have to keep working on that but um, he says in which you also are raised with him through faith in the working of God and there's the idea of um, I, I identified with Christ through baptism that was my public profession but now I am totally immersed in his life and I want him to be totally immersed in my life I baptized with him and so the idea of baptism is a total, a total commitment. I was buried with him in death and I rose up and of course to newness of life. And now I don't have to be baptized again with the, with the uh, ordinance, but I am to be baptized by, in the heart. I want my heart to be totally baptized, immersed. I want my life to be immersed in the Lord Jesus Christ. It goes back to the word, believe on him. And of course, that word, I've explained it several times, but let's do it again. Um, the word, when you believe on the Lord, that's the Greek word that says you believe into him. It's a word uh, that uh, you, you've taken him, but now you're into him. And you hear people say, well, I'm into sports. I'm into health uh, or nat- natural foods or whatever. The idea is I've, co- I've committed. I- I'm really into this situation to the point that it's changing my life. I mean, I'm eating differently, so I'm into health foods or whatever. So that's the idea. I've made a commitment that I'm, I'm going to follow this regimen. Well, if I'm, if I'm into Jesus Christ, that means that I've made a commitment to follow him. So if I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm into him. Does that make sense? I hope it does. And so if I'm into Christ, then I'm into everything that he wants. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So I want to be into him. I want to know the newness of life. I want to find that, oh, I look at things differently. I sense things differently. I feel things differently. And so I want to be into Him because I've been raised, um, um, because I've been uh, raised from the dead, of course. And uh, how many times we saw back in Ephesians uh, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now He has quickened or made us alive, and now we see that uh, that we are alive in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit has come into our lives and given us uh, new life. He says, and you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven your trespasses, all your trespasses, uh, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Uh, This is one of those interesting ones. He's wiped out the handwriting, all the sins that I ever committed were wiped out at the cross. Now think about that. As far as the East is from the West, he remembers them no more. And the older I get, the more I realize just what a sinner I was and am. That's one of the paradoxes of, of following the Lord. The closer you get to him, the more you realize you're a sinner. And yet the closer you get to him, the more joy and grace we can see that he's forgiven us of our sins. So if you dwell on the sins and what he had, to, uh, and, there are, and there is a sorrow for sin. But uh, there's also the coals on the altar. Remember what uh, we saw in Isaiah chapter six, where Isaiah was a priest. He was a pretty good guy. He had already preached some pretty good stuff. And yet when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he fell down and said, Oh, woe is me for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people. I mean, I'm dirty. I got a dirty heart. Now, wait a minute, he was a priest going in with all the rites and rituals, but he realized, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he realized that, my, everything about me is filthy. Until, of course, the Lord is the one who uh, sanctified him and set him free. So it's one of those things where, as a Christian, I, I realize what a sinner I am but I praise God for the forgiven sinner that I am. That God, as far as the East is from the West. And uh, I know that once uh, I, the Lord really dealt with me, um, and I did what the Nicodemus did. And, you know, he said, I'm gonna go back and if I've uh, uh, offended anybody, I re- will restore fourfold. Well, I, there was a series of, of people that asked to forgive me, you know, for, in my life uh, because, I, but then again, I've had to do that since then too. Haven't you? I mean, things where you realize you've been wrong or whatever. But it's the idea of um, that uh, I, I realized just how imperfect I am, but then also realized the God's abundant grace. And as I could say with Paul, who was, you know, he, you can imagine Paul, uh, those screams of those kids as he was yanking their parents away and putting them in prison. And the things that he saw, even... Um, on the day that Stephen was, was martyred. I think those things stayed with him as far as a memory. But the one thing that really helped him was he was going to praise God for the forgiveness. And I'm sure that, that, of course, he even said later on, I would give my life, I would go to hell if that would allow my countrymen to be saved. What a difference. But he realized, and he says, uh, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, not that I was chief. So we realize that, uh, folks, uh, it's a a, a humbleness and yet a victory. It's the situation where I realize I'm a sinner, but I also realize that I've got a God who loved me and saved me. You know, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live; yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the grace, by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, and gave Himself for me. I imagine that was uh, uh, Paul's life verse. That's uh, Galatians 2:20. And so he says, uh, you know, I realize just how that uh, that the life that I now live is by the grace of the Son of God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And of course, that was from a man who had been in the pits. I mean, John Newton, and he wasn't happy with uh, his former life. And yet, uh, that's a song that is endearing to us all today. And so, it's a situation where, and that's one thing that keeps us humble. Any time that we really think that we're up there. And all we have to do is remember where we came from, <laughs> right? And realize what God has done for us. And uh, that's why we thank God. And I, we don't go back and relive those sins. We go back and thank God for the forgiveness. I mean, if they come in our minds, we thank God for the forgiveness of those sins. And if, uh, if he brings something to our mind that we need to go back and correct, that's what, you know, that's what we do. We go back and truly repent, not only to, our, to ourselves, but if, God, if we've wronged somebody. I think of a, a lady that, um, that my wife dealt with. And uh, again, uh, she came out of a real, just horrible life of sin. But uh, she said, um, you know, I've got relatives that have every right to hate me. And she was really down about it. But she went back to those relatives and started talking to them, and told them what happened to them, and told them to ask them for their forgiveness. You know, and, and she's a you know, the, she's a victorious Christian today. But uh, you know, those are things. Now, I'm not telling you to go back, and and you have to be careful with this, because sometimes we get to go. Oh, if I just ask this person to forgive me. Well, if you don't, there are certain things that you don't go back. I mean, um. I don't want to mention any major sin, but if there's something, you don't go back and uh, into a situation where, uh, oh, I don't know, I better get, but uh, um, if you know that person is still off in sin and they're doing a lot of other things to a lot of other people, then don't feel guilty that they've done it to you. (laughs) Let's put it that way. But uh, uh, there's sometimes that people, and there's the guilt trip for instance i'll just say something that I hope no one here is um, has had but uh you know where there's been something in a, a a childhood or or something where a person has been totally they' just um they've been by well, you have to be careful with uh, uh illustrations because there's always limits to them but um uh if one of the things that child molesters try to do is make the, make the person who they molested feel guilty. And that's one of the things where I'd say those are the things you have to really back off. And, you know, those are the type of guys, the type, type of people that uh, we have to stay away from, you know, and, and, and ask God's forgiveness on your part, but that you don't owe them an apology. But uh, does But we get into but we're getting into hypothetical situations. But I think you understand what I'm saying. Uh, simply because something bad has happened to you doesn't mean that you were the guilty party. And so, and, but if people can put a guilt trip on you, many times they can. But all they're doing is is trying to keep you down. But at the same time, if I've stolen something, uh, I I'll give you an example, uh, and it's a concrete example. Um, after one of the things I remember as a teenager, I was, a, it was about about 16, and I was with a very popular kid in school, but uh, there was a truck that was, in, and we were just learning how to drive, and it was in back of the church. And uh, the popular kid in school, uh, and went to that church, um, got in the truck, and he thought he was going to learn how to, drive a stick shift, and he got in and he revved it up, and he was going to pop some gears too <laughs> he didn 't know how to drive it, and here he was already going to spin circles or whatever you know dumb we're sixteen year old dumb kid but uh, and I sat there and watched him, and he stripped all he stripped three gears out of that that, that truck and left it and it, you know of course that 's hundreds of dollars well um I never told anybody. But I remember the pastor coming to me says, I know you probably didn't do it, but you know who did. And I did. But I didn't tell anybody. Well, when I was studying for the ministry, I couldn't let that go. And I remember going from my hometown back up to school one day, and I stopped at a pay telephone. And I called the owner of that truck. (laughs) and I told him what had happened and uh, I said I'm a college kid right now I can't afford a lot but I can start making payments he said you know this is one of the best Christmas presents I've ever gotten you're forgiven you know (laughs) it's one of those things where that's what I mean now that was you know but you know so those are uh, I guess it's better to deal with concrete things rather than because you get in all the variables, but uh, I was guilty, and I deserved punishment. But uh, I received grace. I didn't deserve grace, but I received it. But uh, but you know that was when I was sixteen, and I guess I was about twenty, about four years later, so when I did that. You know, so four or five years later, and yet uh, that stayed on my conscience for for five or six years and so uh but praise god those those are the things where we can go back and ask forgiveness and say I was wrong um and that really it, that helps um and there's other times, I wish I could say that was only one but you know there's you know there's other people that I would go back and realize I mean I I didn't and I, and all of us have those type things I don't want to say oh I didn't I don't did, I've talked to you, some, sometimes we laugh about some of the crazy things I did as a teenager, but I was pretty well unsupervised as a kid. You know, I just grew up with a divorced family, and my, my parents worked all the time, and I was pretty well out on my own. And boy, I followed, and like that, one guy, I was a follower. And uh, when all, But when I was about 18 or 19, God said, started telling me, you keep following people, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And that's, why when I, that's when I started saying, okay, Lord, I want to give my life to you. And so I, and uh, then he kept throwing me into leadership positions that, uh, <laughs> you know, that I really wasn't expecting and that I didn't expect to be a pastor. And so those are the things that God, God can do in our lives. So th- those are, he says, uh, he made me alive together with him, um, having forgiven all my trespasses and having wiped out the handwriting of requirements against us, uh, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And that's the great forgiveness that we can have. The principles of the world and the principles of psychology is blame shifting. That is, when you go to a psychiatrist, they'll tell you, uh, many times now we're, uh, boy, this, I'm getting off into a world that uh, is uh, not monolithic. It's not, there's not all like this. But uh, at the same time, some of the people have come to me about some of the psycholog- psychologists or psychiatrists they've been to. It's blame shifting. Oh, the reason you have this problem is because so-and-so, or because of the environment that you grew up in. Well, it, you know, it didn't matter about my environment or anything else. I was, I sinned. And once I took responsibility for my sin, then the guilt could be eradicated. Could it not? And so, but as long as I'm passing it off and saying, well, I just grew up and I was a follower and I really didn't do this and all that, then I, then, and it's this person's fault, then does that help me? No, I still have that, that problem. And so, uh, I can't pass it off and say, well, it's because of my mama or because of my daddy or because of, and why? And that's one of the reasons I think that so many kids hate their parents today. And all these things about, oh, uh, and even education teaching. Well, the reason you're like you are is because look at your dumb parents. And so the education system is turning our kids away from our parents. I mean, look, they, they, they put on your birth certificate that you're a boy and they didn't have any right to do that. So let's change it, but don't tell them. I mean, isn't it silly what we're seeing today? And so they're again, blame shifting. Oh, uh, well, You have a problem, it's somebody else's fault. No, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Uh, the principles of the world is, is everybody else's fault. Uh, the principle of God is you're a sinner in need of breath. And So we see that uh, he says that this was contrary to us and, as, and he had taken it out of the way and has having nailed it to the cross. So I can say uh, I, and I could sing uh, like a river glorious is God's perfect peace. Why? Because Overall victorious is his bright increase. Why? Because what he's done in my life—saved um, by the blood of the crucified one, my sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. Songs that we can sing by grace, and so, um, or because of grace, and so he says, having disarmed the principalities, there again I have power over Satan and sin, and powers, and he has made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them. Whenever you and I turn from darkness to light and when the world see it, it becomes a pub- public spectacle of the grace of God and the defeat of Satan. Now also, we know that spiritually there was a public... There was a. Um, I imagine when the Lord Jesus rose from the dead, all of uh, heaven and earth, all the... Uh, uh, all the spiritual beings out there, the millions of angels go, oh, "Oh, that's what it meant. And remember what the Bible said about Satan, what Paul said in Corinthians? He said, um, if Satan had known that Jesus would have risen from the dead, then he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So my, why? Because his head was bruised. I mean, the Lord kicked him in the head real good when he was saved, when he was raised from the dead, didn't he? And so we can know and we can have power and we can be a public spectacle of what God can do in the life of a believer. And so, uh, again, we see the, the 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 importance of who is Jesus Christ in your life? Is he important enough to dwell upon him? Is he important enough to obey him and commit your life to him? Or is he just someone that... Uh, You'll call on him when you need him. Uh, I and what does the Lord tell me to love him with what? All my heart, all my mind, with all my all my mind, all my strength. So I'm to worship the Lord even with my mind. That's into him, isn't it? And that's what should change me, and that I will be different, and that I will have basic principles that are different from the world. And the world looks at it and says, why do they think the way they do? Why do they do the things they do? It's because we know him and we're gonna keep on growing in him. We're gonna be built up in him and we're gonna be established so that our lives are built on the rock. And as Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, he says that we're not cast about by every wind of doctrine, by the rudiments of this world. So we see that uh, we, we're stable because we know who we believed and we're convinced that He's able to keep that which you committed unto him against that day. Is that true? I hope it is in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you by the grace, by your grace and the the sacrifice of the Son of God on the cross for our sins, that we have the authority to be called children of God, that we can call you Father and know that you tell us that you will be a father unto us and we will be your sons and daughters. So Lord, we pray that as we would come to you today, realizing that we're nothing without you, may we be rooted, may, we be, may our roots grow deep, may we be firmly established in the word of God, and in in the knowledge of yourself. That uh, when we meet the life's challenges and they're out there and we're in them today, that we look at them through your eyes. We seek your will. We seek your power. And we expect your victory because our sins have been pardoned. Our guilt is all gone. That we can know you and be complete in you. Oh, Father, complete us, we pray. Use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.